we're all here, we're all leaders, we all know how to pray. So what I want us to do is just wherever you're standing, let's just begin to call upon the name of the Lord and yeah. speak in tongues. Let's begin to speak in tongues. Hi, David here. Welcome to the Webworm Podcast. You were just listening to John Cameron, the former leader of Arise Church, speaking in tongues to a group of about 40 to 50 youth leaders and pastors, and Webworm was there. More on that very soon. Uh, first up, I wanted to say thanks for all your responses uh, to a recent newsletter, Why Are So Many Christians Hellbent on Being Horrible, in which Joshua Drummond looked at a certain percentage of the Christian population who seemed to be acting incredibly unchristian, and he looked at why that was. I just wanted to read out a few of the comments that you left in regards to that. I've left out names, so things are anonymous. One reader wrote, my background sounds very similar to yours in that I was brought up in a very Christian household and attended Bible studies and youth groups in my teens while growing up in New Zealand. My horizons were broadened considerably by university and being out of home generally. I'm now an atheist. What sealed the atheist deal for me is that while on my OE, I found out that the pastor of our church had been jailed for molesting children. I told my parents, and they said they'd known for months, but hoped I wouldn't find out for fear of it turning me away from the church. Call me naive, but I would have thought that asking if the guy who molested children had done anything inappropriate while I was in his youth group, etc., would have been more important than keeping the faith. Noted, fortunately, nothing happened to me. Another reader wrote, I feel this on a deep level. Having grown up in the Assemblies of God, going to Bible college, and surviving escaping a Hillsong church, this really hits home. Lately, the unfriend option on all social media platforms has been a great help. I won't pretend to not have a lot of religious trauma. I've been hurt many times by adults and those in authority in my life that were speaking on behalf of God, or so they said. It's almost cost me my life a few times because it messes with every part of who you are. I work in a church now. While I'm mostly agnostic, liberal, and pansexual, I found a community where it's not about who is on stage, or the relentless fundraising, or the politics. It's about humans connecting to something or someone bigger than them that helps them grow into healthy, whole people. Much different from the churches I've been at before. I want to say that those people that supported Trump, that strip others of their humanity and dignity, they exist. But there are others out there that are love in human form, that are kindness and compassion, that would lend anyone the shirt off their backs, that give back to the community and others. Please don't forget us. Don't punish or hate us because of what some loud or rich people who call themselves Christians do or say. We're trying to bring about change. We're trying to change the tide. We're fleshing out the future of the church every week when we help and love others. Another reader wrote this. I've just got a couple more. I have a guy sitting at the desk next to me that genuinely believes that Bill Gates was written about in Revelations. I find it deeply upsetting how many people will reference Leviticus and other Old Testament verses to justify their hate and completely ignore the words and actions of Jesus. For every damning and doomsday Bible verse, there's an equal word, story, or action from Jesus to be kind, forgiving, and loving rather than hateful and judgmental. And finally, this reader said, 
I know it's been quite a few years along many controversies and catastrophes, but I still cannot fathom that Trump was the president of the United States. The guy from the fucking Apprentice reality show was the president of the United States. And he got there largely on the back of support from right-wing Christians, despite the fact he's obviously an immoral narcissist and greedy charlatan. It still just leaves me utterly bewildered. There's a lot about this world I still struggle to understand, but usually I can find some way in. Some way of twisting and thinking until it makes sense. But I feel like I'll go to my grave still thinking, Donald Trump, really? It's just so utterly bizarre. So yeah, thanks for leaving those comments. Uh, if you want to leave any comments uh, and you aren't already signed up, go to webworm.co and you can throw in your email and join in the community there. But yeah, on to today's episode. Um, if you didn't get the memo already, I am pretty fascinated by how modern Christianity works, especially the Pentecostal and evangelical side of things. I think you probably are too if you're listening to this um, and going on all the comments left under that last piece. Uh, why do I keep being sucked down this wormhole? I think there are four main reasons. Uh, first up, I grew up experiencing parts of this world, so I identify with it. I get it, I understand it, and I feel like it gives me a better ability to write about it because I semi-know what I'm talking about. Um, secondly, during the pandemic, I started writing a lot in lockdown in New Zealand about conspiracy theory culture. And then I saw how it fused with Pentecostal and evangelical messaging um, in the US and then in New Zealand as well, and it fascinated me. Uh, third, being based in the United States at the moment, uh, I can see the power that about 25% of the population here, evangelicals and Pentecostals, how much uh, hold they have here, how much sway they have in politics, and it's kind of crazy to watch as various things kind of step backward, whether it's in regards to uh, abortions or um, various things in the LGBTQI plus community uh, goes on and on. And fourthly, um, Arise Church last year came blasting into my life, or actually the year before last. Um, the antics of New Zealand's biggest megachurch at the time took up a lot of my headspace. Uh, Webworm documented John Cameron's ego project, which eventually came crumbling down as John Cameron resigned and moved to Australia. But of course, it was never going to be over for him, and that brings us to today's episode. Uh, after John Cameron left Arise, uh, myself and co-writer Hayden Donnell have been keeping an eye on him. We've been doing this because, like the Arise reporting, John Cameron is a perfect study in how these churches and their leaders work. So while the story of Arise and John is super specific to New Zealand, I think it's resonated because it's the story of how all big mega churches work and what we can expect, because they generally all play out in exactly the same way. So today from Hayden Donnell, who's in New Zealand while I'm in the United States at the moment, uh, he has an update on John Cameron. In the name of journalism and Webworm, Hayden sacrificed his time and sanity by attending a meeting of around 40 to 50 youth leaders and pastors gathered to listen to the comeback of one John Cameron, who's now Apostle John Cameron, by the way, much like Brian Tamaki. So pour yourself a cup of tea or a can of Monster Energy drink or coffee or warm milk or whatever helps you cope with stepping back into this world. This is a story called A Night of Vision and Ministry with Apostle John Cameron by Hayden Donnell. 
John Cameron is fiddling with his phone as shouts emanate from the stage at Encounter Church. Only minutes ago, he was prophesizing. Now, he's texting. Release it right now, comes the cry from the church's host pastor pacing above him. The yelling gets louder as John hits send. In Jesus' name, God, let there be an unlocking around the prophetic anointing. John doesn't look up. His wife Gillian moves over and puts an arm around him, as if to remind him to pay more attention to the sovereign movement of the Holy Spirit supposedly playing out meters away. He puts the phone back in his pocket and stares ahead as the service comes to a close. The last time Cameron spoke at a New Zealand church, he blubbed his way through a defense of the culture of abuse and exploitation he allowed to fester at the church he founded, Arise. We have clarified many systems and improved significantly, he stammered. Back then, emotional keyboard music playing in the background. A damning report and a resulting employment dispute later, he jetted off to Australia in search of people who hadn't seen him on the news. Cameron may have been wounded by the combustion of Arise, but Pentecostal pastors are a ready fraternity, and it's hard to keep them down for long. Tasmanian Senator Andrew Wilkie recently tabled 18 folders of leaked Hillsong financial documents in the Australian Parliament. They show Hillsong's Brian Houston engaging in a kind of money-go-round with pastors like Cameron and Life Church's Paul De Jong, where they speak at each other's churches in exchange for honorariums. One year, Cameron is paid $10,000 for speaking at Hillsong. A few years later, he returns the favor, with the rise delivering a $25,000 honorarium to Houston. The money goes into these pastors' ministerial funds, or as they're sometimes known, personal bank accounts. It's easy to see how this kind of lucrative favor system would be a lifeline for a disgraced pastor. Since leaving the country, Cameron seems to have grabbed hold of that line adopting the new title Apostle and giving sermons at charismatic churches across Australia and the US. Encounter Church is his first New Zealand appearance since his induction into the Apostolic Order. He's meant to be speaking to an audience of youth pastors and leaders, though Webworm is also in the audience disguised under the name Benny Radich. Hayden came up with that name, by the way, in panic. Uh, Benny uh, is the name of his uh, former cat, and radish is a vegetable, so he came up with Benny Radich. Very creative, Hayden. It's billed as a night of breakthrough, where attendees will receive a message from God. And despite the big promises, Cameron's a little bashful. Just call me John, by the way. I'm a bit freaked out by the whole apostle thing, he tells the assembled leaders and webworm writers. I'm not looking for new things for people to have fodder with, so just keeping it plain and vanilla is good with me. So far, so futile. But Cameron didn't get this far by being bad at his job. His message is on Genesis 28, where Jacob meets God in the perfect location for a meeting with God. A dream. And it's slick. He oscillates between loud vocal dramatics and soft-spoken faux profundity. Most of it sounds anodyne. But if you read between the lines, you see hints of why Arise got as bad as it did. Why so much pain was inflicted in the name of Jesus. The first clues come as Cameron speaks on encounters with God. When you have been in an encounter, it literally will change everything about your life. You will never be the same again, he says. One encounter may change your life, but confusingly, Cameron says you also need to have another every few weeks or so. He's relentlessly devoted to facilitating encounters. 
and he can't hide his frustration with the people who stand in the way of his mission. The greatest tension in my years of ministry has been to wrestle for an appropriate level of condemnation in environments where people have no desire, no hunger for God to lead them, he says. To find a way to challenge that without becoming so out of desperation, perhaps angered by that. In reality, encounters with God are a human endeavor, built on perfectly calibrated concoction of music, preaching, and lighting. There are dozens of moving parts working to manipulate a congregation into peak emotional experiences. God demands perfection, or he doesn't show. In those conditions, mistakes take on divine significance and are punishable by holy wrath. Elijah, his name changed, was producing an Arise conference when he made one of those mistakes and came face to face with Cameron as he wrestled for that elusive, appropriate level of condemnation and became perhaps angered. This is how he described the experience to Webram last year. John had a grand vision of a big altar call, where the house lights would be turned off and everyone would raise their glowing phones, a climactic moment I unwittingly sabotaged by signaling early. Afterwards, backstage, John grabbed me by the collar, aggressive and angry, and told me I had prevented a move of God in Wellington. His nickname for me throughout the following month was the time I'd made the signal, something like 1052. That was his name for me, 1052. One of the most pernicious things about megachurches, and one reason why they're such a fruitful hunting ground for abusers, is that bullies and frauds can palm off their greed, manipulation, and abusive behavior onto Jesus. If you screw up, you're not letting down a small man with a God complex, you're letting down God himself. If you have doubts, you're not seeing through a barely papered over slime pit of corruption, you're insufficiently filled with the Spirit. Or, as Cameron tells the youth leaders tonight, when you're in the presence of God, nothing else matters. You can't hang on hurts and offenses if you're in a real move of God. The things that don't matter include fun travel experiences and lifestyle. They include anything apart from the work people are doing for eternity, which in the case of Cameron's former congregation often meant cleaning his house or chauffeuring his car around town. These are some text messages sent furiously by some church members preparing for John's arrival. I'm going to read these out. Hey, can you please lead a team of a couple of people cleaning our house? John and Jillian are coming over, so we really need it spick and span. That's okay. Here are some things. The green box by the door in the garage. Vacuum upstairs and mop the kitchen. Clean the bathroom. Clean kitchen and wipe down things to make sure there are no dishes around. (sighs) Do you want to arrive at the gates of heaven saying, I'm so glad I got to go to Paris before I made it here. I'm so grateful that I got to reduce my work hours all the way down to 40 or 30. I'm ready to enter heaven now, John says. None of these things will matter in the light of eternity. Arise's victims couldn't raise their hurts or offenses. There was no room for them. Its interns couldn't complain about their work exceeding 30, 40 or 80 hours a week. They were doing it all for God. Recovering Pentecostals have a term for this, toxic positivity. Theirs is a movement built on encounter after breakthrough after anointing. One constitutionally incapable of dealing with the kind of brokenness that doesn't get fixed in the course of one well-played worship song. So it's a little jarring to hear negativity creeping into John's Cameron's night of vision and ministry. The gloom is subtle, but it's unmistakable. Before the service even begins, some people mill around outside, saying, 
the whole ride over here, I was like, I don't know, shall we just go home? And as the sermon gets underway, Cameron reminisces nostalgically about a time 30 years ago when a camp speaker was slain in the spirit during a pre-service prayer. He's desperate for a revival tonight. He's worried about people being fearful in the culture. Later, Gillian will turn to the parable of the sower as she imparts a word from the Holy Spirit to a pastor, aligning him with the farmer throwing seeds into what the Bible calls rocky places. You've been planting seeds, you've been saying words, but the ground's being hard, she says. There's a whiff of failure in the air. If the Pentecostal church isn't yet in terminal decline, it's certainly not reaching the heights it once did. Heaven is further and further away. Perhaps that's because so much of its core product is total bullshit. Pentecostalism's unique selling proposition is miracles, and Cameron is nothing if not a salesman. When he's finished preaching, he tells the crowd to speak in tongues. We're all leaders here. We all know how to pray, he says. Tongues are meant to be the language of angels. Either angels don't know many words or they repeat themselves often. People are saying the same phrases over and over and over again. Most of them sound like they've instructed an AI to invent a language that's both utterly nonsensical and vaguely Arabic. Tongues give way to prophecy. Again, it's cheap tricks and delusion. Cameron plays the mid-level hypnotist. He keeps his eyes open as he prays over people, scanning them for signs of emotion and pressing on if he sees a response. Sometimes the cold reads are a bit offensive. When a young Pacifica man comes up, it sounds like Cameron is grasping for stereotypes as he describes the areas where the man might be influential. I feel like God said to me the feel of sport and um, kind of like culture and entertainment, he says uncertainly. It doesn't feel like that room 30 years ago when the Holy Spirit knocked a camp speaker straight on his back. Cameron's still trying to slay people in the spirit, but it feels forced. He blows into his microphone like Benny Hinn to give him a cue to collapse into the waiting arms of specially assigned catches. Before he finally gives up and goes over to his phone, he rests against the stage as his wife takes over. Gillian prays passionately over a youth leader, trying to command a response. Let faith arise, let faith arise, let faith arise, she cries. Unlock! The leader is supposed to fall backwards, but he can't quite summon the emotion. He stumbles politely and resumes his footing. Gillian moves on. The Camerons are still here, but their seeds seem to be falling on hard ground. The magic, or as they would put it, the spirit, is almost gone. That was a piece from Hayden Donnell, who attended uh, a kind of comeback message in New Zealand from John Cameron, the former uh, leader, founder of Arise Church. He was speaking to a group of about 40 to 50 youth leaders and pastors, and Hayden Donnell and another colleague were amongst them. Uh, if you have any comments or want to discuss this piece, uh, head along to www.webworm.co. I can't believe I just said www. You can sign up for Webworm there if you're not already a member and can take part in the discussion. 
Uh, if you're listening to this uh, and you're already signed up, which is most likely, then yeah, please head into the comments. I'm increasingly blown away by the, I guess, the variety of people and backgrounds, um, geographic spread, experiences, age, everything, sexualities, ethnicities. It's just this big melting pot of uh, kind, smart, funny commentary, and um, I'm very much there for it, and I feel proud of what we've built there. So hope to see you there. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. I hope week has gone well, and I will be back with another Webworm podcast soon, and certainly more newsletters. Talk soon.